Today on Stick to Football, we have a great show planned for you. We're going to go around the league, and then we are debuting a new little series called Mocking the Mock. Mello came up with that name. It's a good one where every day this week, one host will give you their round one mock draft. The other two hosts are going to grade it. So it's going to be a good time. Matt, Mello, and Connor, you can check us out on the Bleacher Report YouTube channel. We have a Stick to Football playlist, and you can catch us wherever you get your podcast, guys. We are sitting here about... Two and a half weeks away from the 2020 NFL Draft, and I can tell you from my side of things, I have never felt more unprepared for a draft because we have no idea what it's going to look like Thursday night when Commissioner Goodell slides into his couch in his living room or hops on set at ESPN. There are a lot of unknowns that we are trying to prepare for. One thing I feel good about have had a lot of time to study these players, so I feel like I know this class. It's going to be very weird with the draft this year. And I had somebody ask me that this weekend, and it floored me. It was the first time I'd heard it. It was like, where's Goodell going to be? It's like, oh, you know, I don't know. I don't know if he's going to try to be in a studio somewhere or if he's just going to be rocking it at home with everybody else with their cool backgrounds. I was going to say, it's the first time that we, we don't know what to expect when we turn on the TV. There's no you know live broadcast, essentially, right. where they're sitting there on a set in front of a ton of people, in front of a stage, this and that. I'll say this, though, guys. As somebody, and you guys know this just as well, that doesn't get to watch the draft ever anymore. It, you know, it's you're kind of just like, all right, well, we got to keep marching on with our show. So, and that'll feel different too. Not for the audience, I would say. I feel like the audience won't notice too much of a difference, but all of us won't be sitting next to each other in person this year for the draft. It's going to be different. We are going to be covering the draft as soon as our, fan, our plans get finalized. We're going to let you guys know, but we can confidently tell you that the draft show that you've come to love from Bleach Report will be there. You'll be able to get the analysis from the picks uh, from us. But guys, I wanted to give some news and notes. Uh, like I mentioned last week, last Friday, my scouting notebook came out. And it was loaded with rumors, so much so that I couldn't get all of them in there. So held a couple back and thought I would drop them to you guys this morning and get your take on these. I'm hearing one thing, and this is all LSU related. I I didn't plan that, and I didn't realize it until right now, actually. It's all LSU related, so go Tigers. Uh, Clyde Edwards-Elaire is getting a lot of late first-round interest, and I know that's something that I've talked about before on the show that people at LSU even thought, hey, you're low on this guy. He's going to go much higher based on our conversations with NFL teams. Now having those conversations with NFL teams, sounds like our guy, Clyde the Glide, could be a late first-rounder. Mellow, maybe... Your Kansas City Chiefs, I think he's a perfect fit in that offense, but I know uh, not all Chiefs fans are on board with them taking a running back at 32. And I don't, I don't know if Andy Reid's going to pull the trigger in the first round on a guy that ran a 4-6. I know that speed is not very important at running back, but I think it is for the Kansas City Chiefs. I don't know if I'm buying the interest in the first round. That's, I, I think he's running back four for me, and honestly, Cam Akers might catch him. I, I, I'm just not getting the vibe of a first-round running back out of him. Uh, he's another guy that at a, at a position where you can be very productive and it's easy to see, okay, this guy's good. He, he's had one productive season, so I'm, I'm not buying the first-round love on Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. I'm, I might be the odd guy out here, but I really just don't you think just so. You don't like LSU players on, I, on offense this no, year. No, I like all of them. <laughs> I, I Actually, I really like Justin Jefferson. I think he's going to be very good. I think he's the best player coming out of LSU when you look at position-wise. I would take him over guys like Edward Solaire or even, you know, I think he'll have a better career than Joe Burrow. I'll just go ahead and say it. But, you know, running back position, you can be very productive on bad teams. Cam Akers did it. And we only saw one year out of out of Clyde Edwards Hilaire. So it makes me very leery of taking these LSU guys. 
I'm not buying it either. I, I look at this. Number one, I don't think a running back is going in the first round of this draft. And if any of them do, it should be one of DeAndre Swift or Jonathan Taylor. I think the problem with Clyde, who I really like as well, but like you, Mello, I see him as the fourth best running back in this class. I don't think he's ready for, you know, to be a pass protector at the NFL level yet. I think that's a part of his game he really needs to round out. And that means he's probably not going to get on the field the way a first-round running back often does. I think he gets on the field a lot. I don't think he gets this Saquon Barkley kind of uh, workload. So I think when you look at this, it would be really tough for me to use a first-round pick on a running back in this class. But if it was going to be one of them, it would be Jonathan Taylor or DeAndre Swift. But Clyde will probably go in the top 50, as we've been saying, for a very long time. I still worry about Jonathan Taylor's fumbles. I love everything else about this guy. Like Even the 900 carries, a little concerning, not a huge deal. But like the fumbles, I just can't get... I don't. How are you guys? When you look at him and you see, okay, eighteen fumbles in college. Is it that a lot of them happened when he was trying to move the pile at the end of a run? I just. I know you've said Adrian Peterson before, Melo. I just see a guy and I'm like, how do we feed you the ball at the level you need it when we can't trust you to hold on to it? Well, I think ball security is one of the easiest things to teach a running back how to do. I hope one so. of the hardest things to teach a running back how to do: run fast. Jonathan <laughs> Taylor can do that. He can run with power. He can run with speed. He's elusive. The one problem that he really has is he fumbles too much. We've seen guys do that. We've seen them fix it. It's not like, man, this guy has poor decision-making at quarterback. We can't really fix that. You can fix ball security. It's very easy to do. I think by year two in the NFL, he's going to have it figured out because they won't put up with it in the NFL. When you get to Wisconsin, you're a standout freshman. You're blazing fast on the track. They might put up with a couple fumbles. In the NFL, they're going to fix it. They're going to have you working on it every day. At Wisconsin, I don't think his job was ever on the line of, ooh, if you put that ball on the ground again, you're out of here. So that's what separates a guy like Jonathan Taylor and Clyde edwards Lair. You look at him, he's 5'7", 207. Is he going to be able to take the pounding of the NFL? I know that Jonathan Taylor at 225 can't. And he did it in the Big Ten, taking so many carries. So that doesn't scare me at all. I mean, Taylor is bigger, faster, stronger. It checks every single box in that regard. And to answer your question, Matt, I guess that's the only concern I really have. But it's not one where it stopped me from putting him as the second best running back in this class. And I love JT. I don't even think the gap between him and Swift is very, very big. I actually think there's a gap between Swift and JT to Dobbins, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, and Cam Akers. And I know a lot of people have had Dobbins grouped in with those top two running backs. I don't see it like that at all. I think if you want one of the stars of this class, it really starts and ends with Swift. And, and I, don't, I don't think it starts in the first round, though. It's for, so no, for no, no, a no. guy like Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, like, even if he is the number three, number two back on people's boards, and he could be, I still don't know if you're pulling that trigger in the first round. There's just so many good running backs that I would rather wait and take one of them. Like, if I can't get Jonathan Taylor in the first round, I'm okay with J.K. Dobbins in the second. I have Edwards Hilaire sure, as my definitely. running back, too. And I, I think, you know, like grade-wise, he's going to be in the late 20s. But I, I do think, like you said, I would just because he's a running back, I would rather have that player early round, too. Uh, another LSU player who's regaining steam, as it was put to me, is Christian Fulton, who uh, you know battled through a little bit of an injury this year with an ankle, but played through it. And that's something I'm hearing that teams are in love with, the fact that he played through this injury. Now, I have Fulton as an early round two player. I think he is a good scheme fit for some teams and not so much others. 
Tested better than I expected, but again, we got the ankle out there, and you know, an early career um, suspension, I believe. For uh, I'm not actually gonna, I'm not, I don't want to misspeak, but an early career suspension. So just Google, yeah, it. yeah. <laughs> Christian Fulton, really interesting player, technically sound, very very strong, can play press coverage, and we've seen him matched up against some of the best of the best over the last four years for the Tigers defense. I don't personally have him as the number three corner in this class, but hearing a lot of teams do. And this is a guy you talk about, my Kansas City Chiefs drafting at 32. I'd be happy with this. With Fulton going 32 overall, I, I was trying to pull up my big board and see where he's at. I know he's not in front of Akuda. I know he's not in front of Henderson. I think you get to like cornerback four. I have Jeff Gladney three, but then you get into guys like Trevon Diggs. Like I really could see him being special, being very athletic at corner and being able to run with everybody. And then, you know, Christian Fulton, A.J. Terrell, we've seen them be very good at times. We've also seen them look really bad on the big stage. But for a guy like Christian Fulton, maybe he was banged up last year. I mean, we heard it during the season. It was, it's not like this is coming out during the draft process. I think a lot of people knew this is a guy that was hurt, and he's going to start rising up draft boards. I'm buying this one. Uh, you're going to see it in the mock draft today. There are just too many teams in the in the first round that eat cornerbacks and I think they're going to be too afraid the team's picking in the back end of round one to wait till round two because they might miss the boat so I think when you look at it you have guys like Fulton uh, Mello mentioned Diggs and Terrell those guys can eat Jalen Johnson I mean those guys can really easily be top 35 picks here in this class because a lot of them are long corners with adequate speed and when you look at Fulton for me I mean, I was high on him for a while. I just, I actually am concerned about the injuries. I'm not sitting here celebrating that he played through it. I do think he's a very, very tough player. I do wonder if he's somebody that'll just be banged up. And when you look at, you know, CJ Henderson just owned the combine with how athletic he is. Then you go back on film, he drew some really, really tough matchups, especially when you watch against Jamar Chase. They kind of let him match up against him one on one, and just not a lot of people can handle Jamar Chase like that one-on-one in the country as a whole and Henderson did a decent job not a great or bad one but a decent job so for Fulton he's been passed by a couple guys but I'm buying that he goes in the first round of this draft yeah I I think so as well whether it's 31 32 there's enough teams there late the Vikings with one of their two picks the end around one could definitely see that happening right last thing and then we'll take a break and get into Connor's mock draft Lloyd Cushenberry fellas getting some late first round love as well I believe this assumes that Cesar Ruiz from Michigan is off the board but Lloyd, who was an anchor of that offensive line, what I'm hearing is teams are in love with the athleticism and the football IQ. I can't find a spot for him late first round, but that's, of course, without factoring in trades. If Ruiz is off the board, 31 or 32, I think is possible, but I just in my like mock drafts that I've done, I've never been able to find a spot for Lloyd in the first. Yeah, me either, and I like him, but it, more of a second-round guy. kind of like the running back, too. I don't want to just shit on LSU because that's not a fan base that you want to piss off. I, I like your team. Good job. You won the national championship. But I don't see him as a first-round guy. Maybe if we see a team reach for Ruiz, maybe then you get a team later in the back half of the first round that says, well, we still need a center. We really like this guy in Cushenberry. Let's go ahead and take him. But I still see him more as a, a second-round type guy. And that's the same for me as well. When you look at it with Cushenberry, the reason, Matt, this report is definitely believable is because the interior line class – just doesn't have a lot of guys at the top of it. You know, you get, we we do it in mock drafts every single week. Yeah. You you take Ruiz off the board and then you go, well, that's it for a while. So if there's a next guy up, especially the center position, 
you know, that a guy that's been reliable and played on a championship team, it would be Cushenberry, but I still think he doesn't hear his name called in the first round. I wish Robert Hunt were healthy from Louisiana Lafayette. Me too, because I, I, I love him. I think he's the second best interior guy in the class. I, I agree. The only thing that has him down for me is, is injury. And, and it's because serious, of yeah. uh, good old coronavirus, guys can't get checked, so we don't even know, you know, is it an injury that he's going to be okay if there's a season in September? A lot of unknowns when it comes to a lot of the injured players in this year's class. All right, let's take a break. We come back. Connor is on the clock with Cincinnati Bengals. And Melo and I, well, we just get to kick back and grade this one. We'll be back on Six Football. We are kicking off our Mocking the Mocks here April 6th. Connor uh, gets to go first. He volunteered. What a gentleman. Mello and I, again, we just get to kick back. Connor's going to go through his picks. We're going to hop in and, and grade, I guess, his mock draft. We're experimenting with this. It's going to be a good time, though, guaranteed. So, Connor, are you doing a what you would do mock or what you think? Is this a prediction? So I decided to do what I think will happen. It's a prediction okay. draft. I like those better. I think that's yeah. what people want at this stage a couple weeks before the draft. All right, take it away. I'm sure a lot of suspense with number one overall. <laughs> so since there isn't any suspense with number one overall, I want to ask you guys. I put Joe Burrow here to the Bengals. Would you guys entertain any offers if you were Cincinnati? I've been thinking a lot about this because I've I mean, you actually get asked about this a decent amount just from, you know, VPs and GMs and things like that. They're like, hey, what do you think it would take? And I'm always like, gosh, I feel like it's going to take – they have three firsts this year, two next year, and they have like four second-round picks between those two years. I believe it would take all three firsts this year and one next year to do it. I just don't know. The Dolphins roster is not that good to where you can like – you still need two tackles. So I don't think I you know. can trade four first round picks for a quarterback. And then like there's the side Bengals fans get very upset if you mention that. Like if you even throw this scenario out there. So I don't think the Bengals would necessarily do it. I was actually talking to someone last week, a very high ranking NFL person, and what they told me was the only way they could see the Bengals doing this is if Joe Burrow let it be known behind the scenes that like, hey, I, I would prefer not to play here, so you might want to get as much as you can for me. But no one that I know thinks that Joe Burrow is that kind of guy. I I don't think so. If I'm the Bengals, I would listen. I'd listen to offers. You look at, I mean, you have Trevor Lawrence sitting there next year, and I know it's very hard to tank and, and get your guy. The Bengals, they did it this year. So if I can get four first-round picks and somebody else comes and takes Joe Burrow and I can put myself in a good position to get a guy like Trevor Lawrence – I would I would listen to offers. I don't know if I would take any, but you bet your ass I would listen to offers. All right, number two, no shock here either. I did not go the quarterback route. I think Washington will take Chase Young and form a really, really good front seven for Ron Rivera early on. Yeah, that's I mean, that's the way to do it. And I, I had had this in last week's scouting notebook. They I've been told they're not gonna take a quarterback. It's just let's not overthink this. Let's just take Chase Young and, and give Ron Rivera what he wants. However, the Lions, we've said for a long time this is where the draft kind of starts. What direction do you have them going? So this is where it gets fun, boys. Buckle up. The Lions <laughs> traded this pick to the Chargers. Okay. The Chargers move up and in return. So the Chargers move up to three, and the Lions got Obviously, the Chargers' sixth overall pick. They got their second and third round picks this year, so 37 and 71, and their second round pick next year. Okay. That's that's a lot to trade up three spots, but when you're trading the up Jets for a gave quarter, up, when you're trading yeah, up for a quarterback, Yeah, but the Jets went right? up six to three yeah. in 2018, and they gave up three twos. So they actually saved on a two here to so, jump yeah, Miami. This is, so this is two second round picks, a third round pick, and then swap first this year. Yep. 
And you're only going back and three the, spots. Yep, and the Chargers take Tua. If I'm the Lions, I like that trade. Oh, I, yes. I think you're sitting there, and I don't want to try to predict your draft, but if I'm looking at it from a Lions standpoint, I can probably still get Jeff Okuda. You're definitely still getting Jeff Okuda. Isaiah Simmons. Right. They, they should both be sitting there. I, the, the Dolphins are pissed, though. Connor, I do. Th- I think this happens whether it's the Chargers or the Dolphins, or some. You know, un- maybe the Raiders get crazy and do it. I really think that this happens on draft day because too. It, it makes yeah. too much sense. And like Mello said, that's what I was waiting to say. Damn it, the Lions still get their guy and they gain three picks. Like you are dumb for if you're the Lions. Like you're pretty dumb if you don't do like, this. Wor- like worst case scenario for them, they're still sitting there. If you're Detroit and you can still get a guy like Derek Brown. Like, even if it goes Akuda and the Lions are like, fuck it, or sorry, the Dolphins, they don't know what to do. They take Simmons or vice versa. You're still sitting there and you can get a very good defensive player at number six overall. And the Panthers are probably going to start panicking because now all these defensive players are gone. So I, I do agree with you guys, too. I think this is something that we can see happen on draft day. It's not something we predict a lot when we do our mock drafts because it's so difficult. But with Connor doing his right here, I do think the Chargers are actively calling Detroit, probably every day, trying to work something out. So you love it for the Lions. Now let's talk about the Chargers that gave up two second-round picks and a third while swapping their first, and they get Tua. If he's healthy, it's worth it. And that's the key. You just you have to trust your doctor if you take Tua. That's it. I mean, and <laughs> and the, it's the, the Chargers. Chargers. <laughs> I don't feel great about it, but... Right. Um, <laughs> if he's healthy, he's worth the third pick in this draft. He really is. I mean, I know we had reports last week teams are down on him. I'm not. He's still my number two quarterback. He's still a top six player, I believe. His vision, uh, his ability to throw with anticipation, with touch, with accuracy... I really, really like Tua. So, yeah, if he's healthy, this is a really smart pick. Yeah, I think so, too. And I think with the quarterback position with these two guys, you're kind of rolling a dice. You're taking a a risk on both of them here. But if it hits, you're going to look like a genius. In in 10 years, the Chargers could come back and say, man, we only gave up two second-round picks and a third to get our franchise quarterback. A guy that helped us compete with Pat Mahomes. Do you remember what the Chiefs gave up to get Mahomes? Nope. Doesn't matter, right? Who cares? <laughs> what the Texans give up to get Deshaun Watson? Don't care. You know, yeah, no you one get, remembers that. If you get your quarterback, no one will care. It, you could look back and say, man, we gave up three first round picks, but we got Pat Mahomes. Yeah, okay. That would that's, look like that's a fine. Discount or right even, now. <laughs> you know, a Deshaun Watson. It, it doesn't matter. If you get your quarterback, it doesn't matter what you gave up for it. All right. Number four, once again, not really shocking here. The Giants pass on the offensive line class and take Isaiah Simmons. Yeah, I've had this one for a while as well. I I just I feel too good about the people telling me it's going to be Isaiah Simmons for it not to be. Um, I personally think they need an offensive tackle. Uh, they need a left tackle. Nate Solder, you never know when that guy's going to be healthy. Left tackle is much more valuable than defender to me. So if it were what I would do, it would be a you would have like a long internal debate sitting in your basement trying to figure out is it Isaiah Simmons like a, a rare generational type defender or one of these offensive linemen who I personally I don't have any of these linemen ranked better than I had Jonah Williams last year like I think it's a good tackle class but there's not one of them that I'm like that's Trent Williams or yeah. that's I, Tyron I Smith. really like Jedrick Wills. I, I think he could be in play here, but I also think that they're probably ready to address the defensive side of the ball, and you get the best defensive weapon that I've seen while doing this. So Isaiah Simmons makes sense if you're the Giants. I mean, he's very—I think he's number four overall on my board. That's where he goes in this draft, so it fits. All right, five. Miami's on the clock. They got jumped by the Chargers for Tua. 
they sit tight and get their guy in Justin Herbert. I this is gonna be like the Giants last year, you know, where it's like kind of, like you heard it was coming, you just didn't want to believe it, and then it happens, and you throw your hands up, and you're like, well. I hope it works for them. I am not a Justin Herbert fan. I know as we get closer to the draft, you're seeing a lot of NFL Network and ESPN guys really push Herbert. I think that's because he's going to go early, not because they like him. Yeah, I agree. I think, and like, if you, okay, I get everybody's like, but the Rose Bowl and the Senior Bowl were so good. The Senior Bowl, seven on seven. Yeah, and then the, so I mean, what about the other three years that he's, you know, like the three years of tape that we have of this guy? Playing like a deer in headlights. I know he has a strong arm, and I have him ranked at like 24 overall or something because there's a little part of me that thinks, damn, if this guy gets in a one-read system and he and he's able to use his legs, I could be proven wrong about him. But I'm like 90% sure that he won't be – I'm like a 97% sure he won't ever be a top-10 quarterback in the NFL. It's. I mean, you don't see very many quarterbacks in a draft class hit. Usually you get about one or two, and the rest are kind of duds and get replaced. I'm not a fan of Justin Herbert either, but this reminds me a lot of the Buffalo Bills and your guy Josh Allen. We had heard for years that, like, oh, they really like Josh Allen. They really like him. It seems like the Dolphins are doing the same thing. And I think if they really loved Tua, if they really wanted Tua, they probably would have already traded up for him. But they haven't yet. We're still sitting here April 6th. Draft is just around the corner, and we still haven't had a trade up to that number three spot or that number two spot. So they must be thinking, ah, we'll just sit around and wait for Justin Herbert. If the Dolphins like Tua, they have executed one of the best smoke screens that I can remember. Yeah. Yeah. Can, no I, doubt about can that. I hijack this for just one second? I want to ask you guys. Go ahead. Because Go n- neither of you really Actually, I'm liked... ready to move on. So no. <laughs> <laughs> neither of you really liked Josh Allen. Uh, do you have Josh Allen ranked higher than Justin Herbert? Um, it's close because I haven't done like grades over the years like you have so it's easy for you to look back and say like eh. I would probably bet on Josh Allen's athletic ability when I'm comparing them I'm still not real sold on Josh Allen as a quarterback but he has proven that he can win games. Now, looking back at him as a prospect, though, he had an incredibly strong arm. You can't debate that. And he was very athletic. I think Justin Herbert has a pretty strong arm, and he's okay athletically. So I would probably still have Josh Allen ahead of Justin Herbert. And I didn't like Josh I, Allen. Yeah, I like Josh Allen better just because of his mental makeup. Um, like Melo said, he's a little more athletic I think the arm was stronger. I don't know. I think the mental makeup thing was very important to me. I mean, I know we got to talk to Josh a couple of times before that draft, but you talk to everybody that was around him. It's just very, very different kind of people. And I, I would consider myself very low on Herbert. I mean, guys, he's holding on for dear life in my top 50 right now. Wow. Agreed. Agree here, I mean, buddy. What? Like, if I don't think he's going to be a good quarterback, why am I putting him in... Yeah, like, top 30 players. And that's my thing, too. Like, I've got some really good players here at the end of, like, the 30s. Like, Lloyd Cushenberry, who we talked about. Exactly. Grant Delpit, Jalen Johnson, Kyle Duggar. I'm just not going to reach on a guy just because he's a quarterback. I have Herbert at 47. I wouldn't take him in the first round. I wouldn't even entertain his name in the first round. If I'm the Chargers or the Dolphins and those two quarterbacks are gone, I would go with another position. I would not take him in the first round. My big board, as Melo knows, because of Draft 400 is in flux right now. So I know what number grade I put on Justin Herbert. Where he like where he gets ranked in that 400 right now is uh, TBD. is a little incomplete. But I like that you're both standing on the 
table and said, nah, we, we don't like this guy. Why should we rank him highly? All right, I, I will unside, unside track us now. Uh, six, the Lions in a trade back, Connor. Where you got him going? I mean, you got no surprises here. The Lions come out as big winners early on because they're sitting there with two extra second round picks, an extra third round pick. And at six, they get Jeff Akuda, guys. I had already put the pick in for you in the database. I knew where you were. This is a smart pick. And it's a smart decision, too, like we were talking about earlier for the Lions. They have a lot of holes to fill on this team, and I think you still get your guy who is number two on my board, Jeff Akuda. I absolutely what? love his game. Number two on my board, uh, only Chase Young in front of him. I, I think he's one of the best corners uh, that's going to be in the National Football League in the next 10 years. He's going to be a shutdown guy. He can play physically. He has the ball skills. He can turn and run like... I don't know what it is that he does wrong. You have to list a weakness for draft 400. Good luck. I don't know what it is that he struggles with. All right, number seven, keeping it moving here. I do think this pick has a chance to be someone like Derek Brown. The more and more you look at the roster, but I just can't justify passing on Jedrick Wills here for the Panthers, guys. When I look at it, their offensive line, this isn't a pick about right now, although it is because you're helping Teddy and those weapons. I mean, how long is Russell Okung going to be the answer here for the Panthers. So I go with the guy. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. That's exactly right. And that might be four weeks in August. So I'm not passing on Jedrick Wills in this spot, and the Panthers shouldn't either. Yeah, Yeah, I I agree with that one, too, because you look at how successful LSU was last year. They're the best offensive line in the nation. And I think Joe Brady is going to be able to recognize that and say, hey, you want to make this offense tick? Give me some big boys up front. Give me one of these tackles that are still on the board here. Let's get the best one in this class. Yeah, especially with Isaiah Simmons off the board. Um, I, I, I've i always thought the moves that they've made have pointed to them going another position. Um, maybe Derek Brown would be the guy here, but the, the Panthers are a tough one to figure out at this point. For me, Derek, like Jedrick Wills makes a more impact on your team now and in the long term than a guy like Derek Brown will. Well, so could, that's why I think the pick would he be play guard until Okung gets totally. hurt in week five. I mean, he's already played right tackle. I mean, I think that he could play all over that offensive line. Eight. This is something Matt alluded to in our rumor show last week. The Cardinals, now that they have DeAndre Hopkins, they pass on the wide receiver class here and they take Derek Brown to boost their defensive line. I believe it, so I'm good with that. My mock draft, whenever we do these, uh, whatever day I'm going, we'll have this pick as well. Yeah, and I think with the Cardinals, I was kind of a believer that old Cliff was just going to sit back and take offense after offense, but a lot of word coming out of Arizona that they're going to start building this defense. Derek Brown, we just talked about him as maybe a possibility for the Panthers. He can wreck the interior of an offensive line. He can get that penetration. He can really help generate some pressure from the outside, too. He's going to free up guys like Chandler Jones, so I like this pick for the Cardinals. It's not something I thought they would do a month ago, but I think they have to start looking at building this defense because the offense is looking pretty damn good number nine jacksonville on the clock here and they get what's regarded as the number one wide receiver in this draft for many that is jerry judy so no cj henderson here no defense no offensive line they help gardner Minshew and get him a weapon in jerry judy at nine i love it because judy's my guy and i think it's odd that I mean, we've even had it happen. Like, how is he on the board of 15? Uh, I, I hope that Judy's one of those players that's just being over-evaluated. Um, too much exposure to a player. Sometimes you start to find weaknesses that aren't there. I think that's what's happening to our guy. Yeah, I think so, too. And you look at Judy, and he's... he's 
I don't want to say this name, but Jerry Rice never did anything exceptionally well. Like you watch him and you're like, how is this the best receiver of all time? Jerry Judy, it's like you watch him and how is he the best prospect in this class? He doesn't have the best hands. He doesn't have the best 40. It's the things that you can't see, setting up defenders with routes in his hips. I like this pick. Number nine overall for me, the Jaguars, I have no idea where they're going to go. I think that receiver's an option, but I also wouldn't be surprised if they went corner, if they reached for a guy like that. Uh, but Jerry Judy, if he's on the board at nine, I think he's definitely in play with Jacksonville. All right, 10, the Browns. Things kind of fall into their favor here, guys. No I joke. can see them taking, I, I have them taking Makai Becton in this spot. Now, I've been vocal that I like Worfs and Thomas and Wills more than Becton. I think the NFL will like Becton more than me. And I think the Browns will not let him get out of the top 10 here. They take the mammoth tackle that, let's be real, Nick Chubb can run behind right now. You're just developing his pass protection overall. I can't, like, you could put anyone in the world here, and I couldn't tell you that you're wrong because we have no idea what the Browns would do. They'll yeah. probably trade back. Well, I, I think they'll take an offensive tackle. I think they'll actually take Mekhi Becton, who I don't really like, but I see the upside. I have him number 30 overall in my big board. Uh, the NFL probably likes him a lot more than I do. I, I don't see the like big-time, strong finisher that a lot of other people do, but I do think sitting here number 10 overall that the Cleveland Browns are going to look at him and say we can develop him, he can help us in the run game, and he can protect Baker Mayfield. Feels a, a huge need. I think they take a tackle at 10, and with Becton there, they probably do it. All right, the tackle run begins because the Jets are on the clock now at 11, and they're doing the same thing. They are probably jumping for joy as Tristan Wirfs falls to them here at 11, guys. Yeah, this is very realistic. And it's funny with Wirfs. He could be the first tackle off the board, or he could be the third, and it would not surprise me at all. It's just a matter of your scheme, and if you project his athleticism forward. I do. He's the second tackle in the class for me, and I believe that he could be an all-pro at guard or a very, very good tackle at either spot. Yeah, I think he's the safest pick at the offensive line position in this draft because it, at a minimum, I think he's going to be a guard in the league for a very long time that's very good. So you get somebody to protect Sam Darnold, Maybe now, in the second round, they can start to get him some targets. All right, 12, the Raiders on the clock here. Jerry Judy is off the board, but they are still looking at this wide receiver class. They're getting some speed here, guys. A pick we've talked about for half a year. Henry Ruggs to the Raiders at 12. It's perfect, and I'm already smiling because this sets up perfectly for the 49ers at 13, That's so right. I really hope this happens. <laughs> uh, I know Ruggs does fit well here. If Derek Carr's their guy, I think one thing that's been missing is speed, someone to stretch the field vertically. They tried to get it with Antonio Brown. Now they get it with Henry Ruggs. Yeah, you know, I think this pick just makes too much sense. I, I'm probably going to just write it in pen for every mock draft I have to do. I think Ruggs is going to be there at 12, and I think he's going to be the pick. Uh, you need some targets for Derek Carr? Go get the fastest one in the class. All right, since nine, it's been all wide receivers and tackles, guys, and that is not slowing down anytime soon. The 49ers at 13 get C.D. Lamb. I hope that you cut this to my face on YouTube because I'm, I'm, I would be so happy <laughs> with this pick. C.D. Lamb in the Niners offense is Michael Thomas. Like that's that's what he's going to do. He's going to run slant routes. He's going to comebacks. He's just going to use that physicality to keep defenders. He's going to shield the ball basically from defenders. No, he's not a deep threat. Don't care. They got that guy. He and Debo will dominate between the hashes. I mean, it's just it's going to be old school West Coast football for the 49ers. Yeah, I really like CeeDee Lamb as well. I have him number seven overall, and I think he's he's catching. Jerry Judy. I I mean, what he's able to do after the catch, I think that he's going to be the best chance for a Pro Bowl receiver year one 
is going to be CeeDee Lamb, especially in the 49ers offense with guys like Debo already there. They're going to have some speed at receiver as well. It, just endless targets for Kyle Shanahan. All right, 14, the Bucks. Like I said, wide receivers and tackles all the way down the stretch here. The Bucks got to feel pretty good, guys, because they still need some help on their offensive line for Tom Brady. They get Andrew Thomas here, the left tackle from Georgia, and three-year starter. Uh, three years, five sacks allowed. In three years in the SEC, that's an amazing stat for Andrew Thomas. And Tom Brady has to be really happy. This might be the best left tackle. I'm trying to go back and think. I don't want to like forget Matt anyone. Light? I mean... Andrew Thomas is, I know we don't talk a lot, like his ceiling isn't that high. That boy's floor is real high. He's ready to come in and play very, very good right away. He might not get a whole lot better, but what he is right now is a pretty good left tackle in the NFL. Yeah, I think he's going to be a good left tackle too. I wonder if they would go defense here, but I also think Tom Brady is probably in the ear of that front office. And they know they have an old quarterback. You're going to want to protect him and help free up Ronald Jones. Like offensive line is so important in the NFL. That's why we see some guys like, you know, an Andrew Thomas, maybe not the best tackle in this class, but it's so damn important that you have to get these guys. And I, I think Andrew Thomas fits here with what they want to do in Tampa. And I'll say it once again, Jake Fromm is not a guy that does you any favors when you're a pass-protecting offensive lineman. I I mean, he kind of sits back there. You know, he sometimes moves into pressure. I I just was very underwhelmed by his ability in the pocket and don't think he did Andrew Thomas or Isaiah Wilson any favors there. 15, the Broncos. This guy waited a little longer than usual to hear his name come off the board, but that's why his bet on FanDuel is to be taken before or after 15 and a half. I took the under, so I had to put it here. Broncos take C.J. Henderson to add to their corners. And guys, I think he is a perfect scheme fit for Vic Fangio. He is, and I feel like I always think I'm the president of the C.J. Henderson fan club, and then Mello talks, and I'm like, oh, well, maybe maybe I'm not. Maybe I'm the vice president of the C.J. Henderson fan club. I love him here. This sucks for Mello's Chiefs, and it sucks for the rest of the AFC West because C.J. Henderson is a dog in coverage, and I, if we get football, I am all in on he and Tyreek Hill going head-to-head. Yeah, I, I think he fits that mold of what they want to do. I think that he is tall. He's got the speed. That's what you need at corner. I, I think that the tackling issues were... Not even true, really. I really like C.J. Henderson. I thought he could have been in play at 9 for the Jaguars. At 15, though, if you're the Broncos, you have to start thinking about how do we slow down these teams? How can we get in front of the Chiefs? We probably have our quarterback, a receiver. They're all gone, so I don't think that's an option. I think C.J. Henderson is the perfect fit right here for the Broncos. And you steal him from the Falcons. Yep. That's exactly right. So the Falcons here, their consolation prize at 16. They get Javon Kinlaw to play next to Grady Jarrett and Dante Fowler. Very, very good consolation prize. Like This is a top 10 player that we somehow always have fall in these mock drafts because of the run on tackles and wide receivers. Uh, geez, talk about plug and play. Any that, defense you want to run. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Like Kinlaw's so good, and we talk about how, man, he could get drafted ahead of Derrick Brown, but then he falls in all of our mock drafts. I, I do it too, but sitting here at 16, Javon Kinlaw might be the pick even if C.J. Henderson were available. This guy, just like Derrick Brown, can rack an offensive line, but he does it, I think, with more speed. He might be a better player than Derrick Brown. All right, guys, number 17, the Dallas Cowboys are on the clock, and they lost Robert Quinn in free agency this year. They still need a little help on the edge. 
Uh, I'm not going to rely on the return of Alden Smith just yet. So we're going to go Kalevon Chase on here at 17, the do-it-all linebacker from LSU, but he is loaded up with pass rush traits, guys. Yeah, I love him. Redshirt sophomore who got to wear 18 at LSU. That is a huge, huge honor. Speaks to the character, the work ethic of this player. I know the production wasn't there. I think he had seven sacks this year. He was really just starting to turn it on, and as I've said before, I love the three-down ability from Chase on. If he's there for Dallas, this is a gigantic steal. He's my number nine overall player. I really like the fit for Dallas in that defense and what they want to do with a guy who is a little bit smaller uh, to play that edge position. I think I've mocked him to a lot of teams that run the 3-4 so he can get standing up. But I like what he can do. I think that he can even play with this, you know, out of a stand-up formation or put his hand in the dirt. Three-down player, one of the best edge rushers. Now, there's just such a fall-off that I think we could see Chason go higher than 17. Because after Chason... Gross Matos, maybe. And then after that, I think there's a huge gap between the next tier of edge rushers. All right, 18, the Miami Dolphins. They got Justin Herbert at number five overall. But as Matt alluded to in the beginning of the show, a team that really still needs offensive line help. And they're going to take Josh Jones, the tackle from Houston, at 18 overall. Man, you know, I feel like there was a point in time where I was really high on Josh Jones. like, And I still like him, but I mean like high relative to the rest of the community. I think 18 is a pretty big reach for him. I know they need a tackle, and like they're all off the board. And I, I, he is a developmental guy. I think Josh Jones, where he could be in three years, is is a pretty good left tackle. Where he is right now, they need tackles so badly that you you kind of have to do this. But I, I just wanted to like I wanted to say this is a reach. I do think it happens, but I think it's a reach. And that's why I think with number five overall. If you don't get the quarterback you want, take one of those tackles because you're looking at the Dolphins right now with what they have. Justin Herbert, who I, and I'm not trying to shit on Connor's mock here. I think this is the way it's going to play out. You get Justin Herbert and Josh Jones. If I'm a Dolphins fan, I'm not happy about that. You have all these picks in this draft, and you're not getting players that are going to be real heavy impact guys. That's why I think you have to either trade out of these picks to trade up and get Tua, or don't take a quarterback at five. Don't tie you know, yourself to Justin Herbert, take a tackle, set up yourself for some success, and then maybe at 18, take a running back. Or how about this? At five, take Jedrick Wills, and at 18, take Jordan Love. Yeah, I I think that's some upside, too. Uh, The Dolphins better be on the phone this week because I I don't like that draft pick for them. With Herbert and Jones, I'm, I'm telling you, if I'm a fan of the Dolphins, I would be pretty pissed off with that. I agree. I don't like it either. I just with Herbert at five, I'm not going to pass on it until it doesn't happen. Yep, right. It will and happen. At 18, it's like man, when you Google or our lads who they have at tackle, it's like whoa, they have to do something about it. So I'm with you. I, I would I would have taken Wills at five if if this is a what I would do mock. 19, the Raiders. Right before we take a break, taking Patrick Queen. They I think still think I think they did a lot of nice things in free agency. Patrick Queen brings a cover element at the linebacker position that starts to round out their defense, especially after they got Henry Ruggs at 12. I I said this in a mock draft a couple weeks back. I had this exact thing happen, and I I wrote in there that I know you added Corey Littleton. I know you added Nick Krakowski. You still need another linebacker. And I got the same thing because I always mock the Raiders taking a linebacker, and people would come at me on Twitter and be like, oh, why would they take a linebacker when you have Corey Littleton and you've addressed these needs? Because you still need another one. And Corey Littleton is a free agent for a reason. He went on. I like him. But I think Patrick Queen is probably going to steal that job very soon and be a very good linebacker. I mean, just keep Middleton at middle and Queen at weak, and yeah. boom. 
You need some guys Problem solved to stop the Kansas City Chiefs and the Denver Broncos, who are going to be very good. The Chargers got their quarterback of the future in this mock draft. I think you have to continue to address the defense. And Patrick Queen is the best defensive player on the board right now, and he fills somewhat of a need. Maybe not the biggest need that you have, but with Henry Ruggs, Patrick Queen, you got a whole lot better, and you get the guys that they're going to target. Those alpha dogs from big programs, you got two of them if you're the Raiders. Yeah, a couple other picks I considered here, guys. Jeff Gladney, Christian Fulton, Jalen Johnson, the the corner group here. But I think Queen is just a better player, and I know Littleton can cover, but why not have two linebackers that can cover in today's pass-happy NFL? 20, Jacksonville. This might be your second shock of the draft here, guys. I know we're all excited about Gardner Minshew, and I know he can play next year. I am taking Jordan Love here to develop in Jacksonville, just in case Gardner Minshew does not work out long term. I do not hate this at all. I know they're all in on the mustache mania. I liked Gardner as a sixth-round pick or wherever he went in the draft pretty late. Um, I don't know that he's going to be the guy long term, so... I almost wonder if Jacksonville's overhyping Minshew so that they can steal someone like Jordan Love. I mean, he played well at times, but I think it was more mania than it was production for Minshew. And to not have any expectations coming in, to like, oh, this guy's actually playing pretty well. He's a sixth-round pick. I don't think he's the future at quarterback there either. And with Jordan Love, maybe you're getting a you know a Pat Mahomes-like quarterback at 20, I'm okay with taking the risk on a guy with huge upside. Yeah, and keep in mind, they got Jerry Judy at 9. Yep. So for yeah, love, it's, it's something to work with there. 21, the Philadelphia Eagles, a pick you probably hear if you listen to Mock Draft Monday every week. That is Justin Jefferson from LSU. This feels like one, as Melo said earlier, just go ahead and put this one in ink. because. And here's a, I know this is Connor's Mock Draft, but I'll tell you guys, when I write a Mock Draft the way I do it, Picks that I've heard are going to happen, I submit them in and then work around them. It's like Derek Brown at 8, Justin Jefferson at 21. I used to do this with uh, the kid from Texas to New England. Malcolm Brown? Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, oh, heard that one's happening. Let me go ahead and lock that one in. This just, like, I will go ahead and think Justin Jefferson's an eagle even if someone else drafts him because we've had this happen so many times. Yeah, and I like this pick too because they definitely have to get a receiver And I talked about Justin Jefferson earlier. I think that he's going to be a very good uh, receiver. I don't think he's in that top tier. That's a pretty damn special top tier of receiver. I think in a normal draft, when you don't have those three guys, Justin Jefferson is a number two, number one receiver as a prospect. I, I mean, he probably should be taken in the top 10 based off what he did at LSU, based off his tape. There's just three guys in front of him that are special. So him at 21 should make the Eagles very happy. 22, the Minnesota Vikings here. They trade Stephon Diggs. They get an extra first rounder in this draft. They're going to load back up at wide receiver, guys, and they don't go T. Higgins here. They go Denzel Mims from Baylor across from Adam Thielen. You know, I like this pick a lot. Mims is such a high upside guy with his the height, weight, speed profile that you get. I think he's a tough player. One that also wouldn't shock me here is Jalen Rager. I know that we, uh, as hosts, are not super high on him. But I would not I would not be surprised if the Vikings draft him. You still think there's first round buzz around Rager? For a couple teams, I think there might be. I mean, it only takes one team, and I do think the Vikings have to go with a receiver here after getting rid of a very good one who wasn't happy, but maybe corners in play, but I would rather take the the big receiver in Mims over a guy like Gladney who might be there at 25, but I'm not going to let the Patriots take a receiver or anybody in front of me. I, I like Mims. I think that he can fit in this offense and play across from Thielen. 
Well, sit tight because the Vikings got another pick and corner might be on the board. 23, <laughs> right. the New England Patriots. This is the third shock of the draft, guys. I have New England having a full-on quarterback competition because they are taking Jalen Hurts at 23. Mello, how you feeling? I don't even want to talk here. I just don't think it's going to happen in the first round. I do think the Patriots like Jared Stidham, and not because he was my number one quarterback, because of the moves they've made around him. I think if they didn't like him, they would go target a guy like Jacoby Brissett and try to bring him back, and they haven't, or at least it doesn't seem like they haven't. So I don't think they're going to go quarterback in the first round. I could see them do anything. Like, legitimately anything at this point. I have always leaned toward defense with their mocks, just to, but that's just like an instinct of Belichick trying to get back to the roots of a strong defense. Anything could happen here, and it would not surprise me. I, I think me. Belichick is also too proud to take a quarterback like this in the first round, because then it might send a signal like, oh... I really miss Tom Brady, and I wish I had him back. <laughs> I think Bill will just be like, fuck it. I don't care. We're not taking a quarterback. We don't need one. I can win without a quarterback. And I also think that with Hertz, the Patriots really value decision-making, and I think Hertz is a question mark with its decision-making. I know he did great on the board work at the Combine and everything, but still you see some throws. I just don't know if he's a Patriots-type quarterback. 24, the Saints, they bring back Janoris Jenkins. They have Marshawn Lattimore. But they are going to get themselves a slot corner here or a guy that could play the slot right away, and that is Jeff Gladney at 24 from the Saints. I like this. We don't talk enough about how corner or, excuse me, how secondary is, I think, a quiet need for the Saints, and their fans get so pissed at me when I talk about this. But if you look at the reasons they've lost in the playoffs, it's not Drew Brees, it's not Michael Thomas, it's that secondary. So I would throw as many swings of the bat as I could at fixing that group. Yeah, I mean, and right here where you're drafting, you might as well. I mean, you're probably getting a starter, but not like a superstar starter. So go add to your depth here. I mean, I like Jenkins. I I really like Marshawn Lattimore, but you need a lot of corners to be successful in the NFL. And I think Gladney's physical enough that he can come in and start at nickel immediately and, and work his way into playing an outside corner role for the Saints. 25, the Vikings are back on the clock again. They got Mims at 22nd overall. Now they're going to go to the corner board, guys, because they are taking Christian Fulton here at the end of round one. Such a good fit schematically. Again, like we talked about at the top of the show, if he's healthy, the value here is really, really good. It's just a matter of do you feel like he's over the ankle? Uh, you have to love the the personality. The dog in Christian Fulton is going to match what Mike Zimmer wants from his defenders. And that secondary uh, needed a little bit of a makeover. I think they had to get rid of some personalities. Fulton is the kind of guy you want to build a locker room around. I think they like those big physical corners, and they definitely need one here. So I like this move. Uh, I'm starting to get very nervous, though, Connor, because you're having some corners come off the board. <laughs> My team's sitting at 32 and really needs one. I don't know if they're going to make it. Yeah, it's going to be a close call here for your Kansas City Chiefs. But all right, going back on the clock here after the Vikings load up. 26, the Dolphins have been doing some loading up themselves. Maybe not the best draft they've had, but a very realistic one. This is my favorite pick I did for them. 26, Miami takes Cesar Ruiz. I like that. It is, a, I think, an underrated area of need as that interior offensive line for them. And with Ruiz, 
could play center or either guard spot and be a very, very high-caliber player. Yeah, and I think he probably goes a lot higher than some people think. I think that right here with this pick might actually be on the low end for him at 26 overall. I think he's a day-one starter. You watch him move at center. It reminds me a lot of Garrett Bradbury, who we saw go pretty early in the first round. I I like what he's going to do with the Dolphins. You have to be able to protect the quarterback that you got. Uh, And even though you have a left tackle, you still need that interior protection. 27, the Seahawks. Jadeveon Clowney still unsigned. They're going to go with a raw but super athletic edge rusher here, guys, and Yitor Gross Matos. I, I was wondering a while back where you were going to have him. This is just a really good pick. If he's on the board, uh, definitely the type of player they need with Clowney not signed at this point. Even if Clowney is signed, might be the type of player they need opposite him because LJ Collier, last year's first rounder, didn't do much. Man, the Seahawks have... Very little luck with late first rounders. When you look at who they've drafted first round, it's not good. It's they're so good after the first round. Terrible in the first, though. Yeah, and I I do think the edge rusher is a big need for them. Even if they do re-sign Clowney, I'm not sure what you're getting back uh, production-wise for him. So I think that even pairing him with a Gross Matos or replacing him with is a good call for the Seahawks. 28, the Ravens. Tell me if you've heard this pick before, guys. Kenneth Murray for the middle of that Baltimore defense. Some guys are just made to be Baltimore Ravens, and Kenneth Murray is one of them. Captain at Oklahoma, incredible production, tough against the run, but has that flow and juice to get outside that the tackle box and make plays. If Kenneth Murray's the pick here, it's just like, yep. Yeah, they've had some success with some Oklahoma guys as well. Mark Andrews, uh, Orlando Brown, Oklahoma roots run deep there. I'm going to be pissed if this is a pick. I'll tell you guys that right now because the Ravens are building something pretty damn special there. And Kenneth Murray might be the only linebacker uh, in these top three guys that can actually come and play middle linebacker immediately. I think Queen might have to play some off-ball outside linebacker. I don't think Isaiah Simmons is a middle linebacker. But Kenneth Murray, the best true middle linebacker in this class, falls to a team whose only need – is that middle linebacker. Like, that's it. Everything else they have, uh, and it's going to make it very difficult to beat them in the AFC, which really sucks. 29 Tennessee Titans, a name listeners of this show are going to get very familiar with this week as we get to talk to him. Jalen Johnson comes off the board to add to the Titans secondary. Yeah, and talking to people with the Titans, they feel like they could go a couple directions here. Corner, offensive tackle, uh, maybe even if there's like a home run hitter uh, with the wide receiver position, could be a spot here. But I think Jalen Johnson's a great fit. Mike Vrabel is going to love this dude. The only question, and we're going to talk to Jalen uh, for the Wednesday morning show, where is he at with that torn labrum that he waited to have repaired one. until after the combine? I, I mean, there are a lot of question marks. Right? I don't even know if he's had it done because that does that count as an elective surgery? If so, maybe it's all over the place. wasn't able to have it. So we'll find out uh, Wednesday morning. But I, I do like the fit here. Yeah, and a guy that will come in and play nickel uh, with Adoree Jackson and Malcolm Butler already there. But again, I think a guy that can develop and probably replace Adoree Jackson pretty soon. I just I haven't been real happy with what he's able to do. The shoulder injury, uh, is he going to be able to press? I don't know. Will he be able to run? Yeah, he's fine there. And I think feet are the most important thing for a corner and hips. And he's got both of them. 30, the Green Bay Packers, a friendly reminder, this is not what I would do. This is what I think will happen. Green Bay takes a tackle prospect here, guys, in Austin Jackson. I don't hate it. I think Green Bay could go so many directions. All of them are future needs. You know, like if Jordan Love were here, I could see that. 
Um, I think they've addressed a lot of their needs through free agency. Uh, there's not a, if there's not a receiver that you value here, then keeping Aaron Rodgers protected, as he said recently, he thinks he could play till he's 40. He might go that Tom Brady route. So uh, I do believe Austin Jackson goes first round. And I know I'm, I do this a lot. It's like I could see this happening, and I think this guy goes first round. So let's put these two together. And I think that the tackle position is such a – bigger need than Packers fans want to believe. They want to believe they still have the best left tackle in all of football, but Bakhtiari, he's getting old. I mean, he can chug some beer, but he did not look like the same (laughs) tackle last year that he has. So I think that this isn't a need going into the 2020 season. I think it's going to be a huge need in the 2021 season if you don't address it now. So if you're sitting there, you can take a tackle and develop him, which is really important with the way colleges play their offense now, especially a guy like Jackson, who's coming from from that you know, spread out wide offense, it's not going to be the same as what he's going to see in Green Bay. So take him, stash him for a year, make him your swing tackle, your third tackle, maybe play him some guard, and develop him to be that replacement at left tackle. Man, he might have to replace Rick Wagner. If he, if I know like, Rick, I was when Rick was this, healthy, honestly. he was good, but I just don't yeah, know. Like, yeah, tackle's going to be a need for the Green Bay Packers. Yeah, absolutely. That, now, that was my thought with that pick. The pick we've all been waiting for. All right, 31 the Niners. They got C.D. Lamb. At 13 overall. So what do you do with a team that almost has everything, guys? You give them a player that can do a little bit of everything. Jeremy Chin comes off the board to the 49ers. I like it. I thought you were going to say Xavier McKinney. I'll take Jeremy Chin here. That athleticism as a matchup player. um, If you got to stop, you know, the Tyler Higbees for the Rams, okay, he's got you. If you want to stop the run against the Seahawks, he's got you. And just adding more Travis Kelsey in the Super Bowl? (laughs) Right. Yeah, well, no one can do that. Uh, Just that speed at the second level with Fred Warner, Quan Alexander, and now Jeremy Chin. Like, that. those are probably your base starting linebackers. But then Chin... Doesn't ever leave the field. You go nickel, Duke could play in the slot. He could play everywhere. I don't think he could play single high. He could play everywhere else. So um, I hate to make such a cliche comparison, but this is some Cam Chancellor for this defense. I think you've said everything there is to say about Jeremy Chin. Uh, let's, let's flashback like six months, and I tell you Jeremy Chin's the first safety off the board. You tell me I'm smoking too much weed, but I think I he could be. six months ago? Well, six months six ago. Six months ago, we probably would still say Delpit's going to be first. Nine months ago, I would have said who? If you exactly. said Jeremy Chen. Yeah, but I like that pick. I do think he fits like everything Matt said. Yeah, and once again, guys, here at 31 for the Niners, 32 for the Chiefs, I, I really would have liked interior offensive line, uh, but I'm not taking Lloyd Cushenberry here. I'm not taking you know any of the guards. Ruiz is gone, so you're looking for talent in the secondary. The Niners get that with Chin. 32, the Chiefs, a guy that I think fits their scheme very well. A.J. Terrell comes off the board as the last pick in the first round. Yeah, and have to go corner. Like You almost have to if you're the Kansas City Chiefs. So many needs on this defense. I'm glad you didn't go running back, but I, I was kind of getting excited. I just don't about. think they will. I, I think I'm trying to talk myself into the I Chiefs think you taking are. the running back. <laughs> I, I, think they, I think they will, and that's what scares me. Melo and I talked about this on the weekend that – we almost feel like Veach, like they're doing all this, like run it back. They're bringing back, uh, they're bringing back all the receivers, you know, Sammy Watkins restructures. That they're almost just going to come into it and say, no one has time to prepare for us. We were the best team in football last year. Mm. Let's just add, like, add someone who's ready to play right now, which running back's an easy transition, and then try to stop us. Yeah, and DeAndre Swift. Interesting way to think. 
He's yeah. just such a perfect fit for that offense and what they want to do with the receiver out of the backfield. Damian Williams, I mean, you don't have to tell me he was good last year. I know this. <laughs> but I do think that the Chiefs could look at this and say, okay, we can get a guy who can be day one, corner three for us. Or get a Pro Bowl running back. And that's why I do think yeah, the Chiefs probably point. take a running back if uh, this is the way the board falls. I mean, A.J. Terrell, he's what, the fifth or sixth corner here taken? Or you could have the best running back. And I, so just, I flipped a coin between him and Diggs. <laughs> yeah, mm. it's not, yeah. not bad there because I, I do think they're very, very close on my board as well. I, I really do feel like, and I, people have tried to tell me this about Andy Reid and Brett Veach, they will not let Mahomes not have all the weapons he needs. Like, that is their priority. It's like, we're going to keep... I think they checked that on. box. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but they could still add more. But you're also looking at this depth chart, and you're seeing uh, Ward and Fenton are your corners. Yeah. You, you need somebody else to come in there and do it. Because the the guy they signed at corner, Antonio Hamilton, I don't know who he is. And that can't be corner <laughs> yeah. three when you're trying to win another Super Bowl. Yeah, it's going to be so much fun. All right, who goes tomorrow, me or you? It doesn't matter to me. All right, I'll go tomorrow. You, you've always been more of a stick-to-football Friday guy, so That's we'll let you go Friday morning. Uh, so tune in Wednesday morning and get my mock draft and get to hear Mello and Connor rip mine apart. And we'll find a way to post Connor so you guys can see the picks. I know sometimes it's hard to keep up with an audio version, so look for that on the Twitchers as well. For Mello, Connor, it's Matt. We'll talk to you all real soon. 